So welcome back to our Lenten series, Famous Last Words, as we look at the words that Jesus spoke from the cross. We're in the middle one this week, and as I was working on my sermon this week, um, I got a I got a message from my wife, and a- as I was pondering this question that, that seems to hit very strongly when you look at this particular text, the question is just why, why do some things, there, aren't there so many things in life that just make you ask the question, why did that just happen? And so my wife texted me, and she was out grocery shopping, and um, had a cart full of groceries and was now pushing it out of the grocery store to her van. And as she's kind of in a hurry and, and, and heading out to the van, the, one of the front wheels of the grocery cart lodged into a little pothole in the parking lot, which means the grocery cart is going to stop. At least that part of the grocery cart is going to stop. But Dawn's legs kept going. And so what happens when your legs keep going and yet the front left wheel of the grocery cart is um, stuck in a pothole is that the cart is going to keep moving kind of in this direction and until it completely dumped over uh, sending groceries and apples rolling all over the parking lot. And again, remember that Dawn's legs were still moving, so um, her body following up and over with all of that. So this was the phone call or text that I got in the middle of pondering the question, why did that just happen? Why do some things happen in life the way they happen? Aren't there so many things in life that make you ask the question, why? And we could come up with all kinds, you know, uh, little things that happen to us during the day, Um, or frustrating things that happen to us, but maybe on a more serious note, let's get more serious now. A married couple who loves Jesus and loves each other just wanted to have children, but they weren't able to have children. They, They tried for years, but they couldn't get pregnant. Then finally, they got pregnant, and nine months later, that baby was born then that baby died. Why did that baby have to die? Or a 17-year-old girl was driving to, of all things, Bible study. But at the same time, a man who had had too much to drink uh, was also driving, and he hit her head on. It was his third time being arrested for driving drunk. It was her first time being killed. Why is it that so many good people die too young? Why is there so much pain in this world? Why is there so much um, divorce? Why is there so much abuse? Why does it seem that God doesn't answer some of our prayers the way that, that we would like him to answer those prayers? Why are there people who, why, why are there people whose greatest desire in life is to be married, but they're still living alone? And, and why are others who got married and promised to love each other forever just end up crushing and destroying each other? Why, why do some couples who just want 
to have children so badly, not able to have children? And why do other couples seem to bump, each bump into each other in the hallway and get pregnant? Why? Why are there so many things that happen in life that don't seem fair? Why, why do so many things that just don't seem fair at all seem to happen so often? Uh, an elderly woman in a nursing home rocks in her rocking chair alone on Christmas. No cards, no calls, no carols. Why? A young wife finds, uh, discovers romantic emails that her husband wrote to another woman. Why? After 30 years on the factory line, a, a worker finds a termination notice pasted on his locker. Why? Abandoned by family, abandoned by spouse, abandoned by your company. Why? How about being abandoned by God? How about be abandoned by God? Wouldn't that make you want to ask why? Um, Jesus had a rather hard life, wouldn't you think? Herod, Herod tried killing Jesus when he was a baby. Jesus' hometown rejected him. In fact, they tried throwing him off a cliff. Jesus was called a heretic, a fanatic, demon-possessed, a drunkard, a glutton. Jesus was accused of hanging out with the wrong kinds of people. Jesus was falsely accused. He was falsely accused, arrested, betrayed, tortured, beaten, and nailed to a cross. Jesus suffered so much at the hands of men, and yet he never once complained. And he never even asked why until now. So he was on the cross. Jesus was being crucified. He was on the cross. And from noon until 3 p.m., we hear that darkness came over all the land. Verse 45 of our text says, from the sixth hour, that's noon, until the ninth hour, that's 3 p.m., from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. So if you look at Luke's gospel, it says that the sun stopped shining. There's no natural explanation for this. Because we, as we know, Passover happens during the full moon. So there would have been a full moon and an eclipse is impossible during a full moon. Also, there's ancient writings that reveal that at this very same time, there was darkness observed in Egypt, Greece, Rome, and even China. So if those things are true, and this actually was the same time, it seems that there could be some evidence that this wasn't just some local darkness over Jerusalem as if like a storm front was there or something, but darkness that covered the whole world. As Luke said, the sun stopped shining. Darkness was a sign of grief, sorrow, and judgment. There's a passage in the Old Testament, Amos, 
chapter 8, verse 9, that says, In that day, declares the sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down and at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. On the night that Jesus was born, heavenly angels lit up the dark sky with light. But on the day that Jesus died, that bright noon sun, that bright noon sky was darkened. When the heavenly Father withdrew his loving presence, the world became dark. And finally, finally, in fulfillment of Psalm 22, Jesus cried out, Why? Verse 46. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, we don't like to hear Jesus ask why, do we? We don't like to hear God ask why because Jesus is God, so we don't like to hear God ask why. Why was Jesus being forsaken by God? Why was Jesus being abandoned by God? In other words, why was God being abandoned by God? And can we even make sense? Of that. God, why would you forsake your son? Forsake the murderers. Forsake the evildoers. Forsake the perverts. Abandon them, not him. He never sinned. Why have you forsaken me? Was different than anything else that Jesus spoke from the cross. Let's, let's, look at, let's look at the seven things Jesus spoke from the cross. I made a little chart here. We're in the middle one. Three of the seven things that Jesus spoke from the cross were prayers, in a sense, because they're addressed to God. The first one, the last one, and the one in the middle are addressed to God. The two in between each were addressed to people. So three of the seven were, in a sense, prayers of, of, of some nature. But look how different they are. The first one, Father. Father, forgive them. Jesus is asking forgiveness for his enemies, but he's asking his Father, whom he had that just amazingly special, close relationship with, to forgive them. The last one, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus allowing his life to be taken from him. But this one in the middle is a lot different. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the only place anywhere that Jesus calls his heavenly father God. As if to say he is no longer his heavenly father. Now he is just angry God judging Jesus. So yes, this is very different from anything else Jesus spoke on the cross and especially the other two that were addressed to God. Jesus has hit rock bottom here with this one. Why? Because he was being forsaken by God. Because he was being abandoned by God. Uh, Jesus was being abandoned by his father. His father was abandoning his only son. And so now he's only God. All right, before I switch to the next slide, I want everyone to just get ready. 
And I want you, there's going to be two words on this next slide. And as soon as you see them, just right away without thinking, I just want you to say them out. Just speak them out loud. You all ready to do that? Just go ahead and shout them out. Ready? It's two words. All right. How many of you, how many of you said nowhere? Raise your hand. Okay. And how many of you said now here? Raise your hand. A few. I, I heard a couple. I heard a couple. We can look at one thing and have two completely different perspectives, can't we? So let's say you are right in the middle of pain and hardship and loss. And you see that word up there and you see nowhere. Because you are, you're struggling with things. You're in the middle of loss. You're in the middle of hardship. And you see that word and you're thinking that right now in my life, I, I, God is nowhere. He, he is nowhere to be found. Where are you, God? Why are you letting this happen to me? And, and you live your life in, in the sense that God is nowhere. Or you could be in the middle of pain and hardship and loss. And, but in that word, you can see now here. Because you know God is here and, and as you are assessing your situation and going through these struggles and going through these hardships that you're going through, you say, yeah, things aren't the best right now. Yeah, I'm going through some struggles right now. But God is now here. He is still present with us. God is good all the time. All the time. He is always with us. Two different perspectives to go through life with, isn't it? But the, the bottom one is the one that's true for us. God is now here. God is always with us. So the only thing, the only thing that we need to endure pain and hardship and loss is the presence of the Father. The only thing we need to endure pain, hardship, and loss is the presence of the Father. So when we understand that, when we believe that, when we know that, when we trust that God is now here with us, we can endure anything. We can endure any kind of pain. We can endure physical pain. We can endure emotional pain. We can endure relational pain because God is with us. But the moment we don't know that, God is with us, the moment we aren't sure that God is with us, the moment that we doubt that God is with us, we're not going to be able to endure pain. We're not going to be able to endure hardship or loss. The only thing Jesus needed, the only thing Jesus needed to endure the pain that he was going through on that cross was the presence of his Father. The moment that was gone is the moment that Jesus cried out, why? 
That's our first point today. The only thing needed to endure pain is the presence of our Father. But in this moment on the cross, Jesus didn't have it. He actually didn't have it. He was being separated from his Father. So he actually didn't have that. And therefore, he cried out, why? Now, we always have it (laughs) because Jesus did what he did for us. We always have it. But the moment we don't realize that or doubt that or don't trust that or forget that is the moment we're going to cry out why too. And that happens from time to time as we go through difficulties, doesn't it? The the thing that we have to remember is um, that at this point in our lives, before we're in heaven with our Heavenly Father, at this point in our lives, we can only see part of the story. We we can't see how the story is going to end. We can't see into the future. We we, we can't see uh, what God is doing with every difficult thing that he allows to happen in our lives. We can only see part of the story. We can't see the whole story the way that our Heavenly Father can see the whole story. There's a passage from 1 Corinthians 13 that says, Now we see, but a poor reflection is in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So let's remember that when we are going through difficult times, we can only see part of the story, often just a small part of the story. We we can't see what God is going to do through this. We can't see maybe physically, that God is there with us, that he is making this work out for the good of those who love him, that he, is, that he has our best interests in mind. We can only see part of the story. We can't see the whole story. And our Father who loves us, who is always doing what is best for us, he can see the whole story. He can see the big picture. For instance, um, have you ever... Have you ever, you know, if you got the chance, I, I know I, I, I got I to be in on some of these, taking your 12-month-old baby in for their shots. I remember one or two times where I got to be in on that fun little endeavor. And um, so 12-month-old baby, I mean, what's more cute than that, right? Um, the, just cooing and, and, and licking your face and smiling and laughing. And so you're out in the waiting room, little bonding time with your baby, and you're getting ready to go in that room. And then you go in the room. The doctor comes in. Baby's still smiling. You're having fun. Uh, great day of bonding. Doctor checks him out. All is good. Doctor leaves. Nurse comes in with the, with the shot, the big, long needle. Baby's still smiling. Nurse puts the needle in the baby. And if you know me well enough, you know that I'm not watching that. I'm looking right away. I can't bear to watch that. I would pass out. So that's for my wife to to help me out with. So I'm not looking at that. Nurse is sticking a needle in the baby. By the time I turn my eyes back to look into baby's eyes, he's looking at me as as if I have betrayed him. He is looking at me as if, as if to say, et tu, Brute? And then, and then there's the, then there's he, he, the, the, the look of fear and panic in his eyes. And of course, the, the holding of the breath, right? And then, wham, blood-curdling scream. 
and he's looking up to me in pain and agony and fear and hurt as if to cry out to me and say, my dad, my dad, why? And all I want to do is just explain to him why this is for the best and why this is for good, but there's no way that his 12-month-old little mind is going to understand that. So, while Jesus was on the cross, so if you're there in real time while Jesus is being crucified, you can only see part of the story, right? So if you're one of the crowd, you're thinking, yep, we just rid the world of another heretic. If you're one of the disciples, you're thinking, we gave up everything for this, and now he's dying? Uh, Did we do this for nothing? Even Jesus... Even Jesus was asking, why? Now, here's where it's, it's so hard for our minds to comprehend. As true God, he knows why, because he, he's still true God. So as true God, he knows why. But as true man, he's asking why. Why is the Father doing this? Why is God doing this? What was the Father doing here? How is this for the best? Now we have the scriptural record. We don't have to wonder why Jesus was being forsaken by his father because his father tells us. All right. Jesus. Oop, here we go. Just one back up. Jesus was abandoned by God because he became sin. That's why. Jesus was abandoned by God because he became sin. So Jesus asked, why have you forsaken me? God explains it to us in Scripture. All right? Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So the only way that we could be rescued from the curse was if Jesus became a curse for us. So Jesus was actually forsaken by God. God was being forsaken by God. Another thing we can't wrap our minds around. God was being forsaken by God. Jesus was enduring the being forsaken by God curse. That's a curse to be forsaken by God, to be actually cut off from the loving presence of God. Jesus was enduring that being forsaken by God curse of hell for us. There's another passage you might know a little bit more familiar with. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God put our sins on Jesus. And so then he had to turn away from him because of our sins being on him. You see, the penalty for our sins is death. And the word death really means separation separation from God. That is the penalty for our sins that that we have justly earned for our sins. So God put our sins on Jesus so he had to be separated from him. That was the penalty. That separation from God was the penalty. And that is what Jesus was enduring on that cross. Yes, the crucifixion was painful. Yes, all the torture was, was painful and horrible. But the real pain, the real, real, real pain, the real, real penalty was that separation from God. And that is what Jesus was enduring on that cross for us. 
in the Old Testament, there's a passage that sheds some light on this for us. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 13 says, Your eyes, talking about God's eyes, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. God hates sin. And so wherever God finds sin, wherever God runs into sin, he has to do something about it. He has to judge it. So scripture tells us that Jesus became sin for us. He became sin for us. He became our sin and died on the cross for our sin. Jesus became our sin. He became our, our hatred, our murder, our adultery and rape and jealousy and envy and lying. Jesus became that. And when Jesus became all of this, God's eyes were too pure to look on him. God could not look on him. So God had to turn his eyes away. God had to forsake his son because our sins were on him because he became our sin. So God had to turn his face away from him and abandon his son. Are you ready for the good news? Jesus was abandoned by God so that we would never have to be. Jesus was abandoned by God so we would never have to be. Can we look at this story from our Father's perspective? If, if, you, if, if we ask God, why did you do this? Why did you forsake your son? When we ask God why he did this, he tells us why in his word. He says, why, why did I do this? I did this for you. I did this for you. I punished my own son for your sins. All of your sins, all of your failures, all the ways you haven't lived the way that I commanded you to live all the ways that you have lived that are not the way that I designed for you to live all those things I put on my son and so then I had to turn away from him so I would never turn away from you and you you could never understand how hard it was for me to do that but that's how much I love you Friends, Jesus was forsaken so we could be forgiven. Jesus became our sin, and he, he died for our sin. He was buried for our sin, and three days later, God raised him from the dead, which clearly shows that sin, death, and hell have been defeated. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds you have been healed so why did god do this so your sins would be forgiven so my sins would be forgiven and so that we would never be separated from god there is the story of a dad who loved his wife Loved his little eight-year-old son who idolized him. And he loved his job. He was a drawbridge operator. 
and he was very good at his job. It was a very important job. Many times each day he had to raise that bridge for ships to pass under and he had to lower the bridge for trains to pass over. And so many people depended on him to get all of that exactly accurate. Well, one day during the summer, his um, eight-year-old son, um, who just idolized him, asked if, if, if he could come um, spend the day with dad and just watch him do what he does. So the father was delighted with that. He said, of course, yeah, you can come with me. That'd be great. And so he came with them that day to work. And the two of them just had a blast. They had a wonderful day. Um, and after the 14th successful transition of raising and lowering the bridge, there was a train coming. And the bridge needed to be lowered. But when the father looked around for the son, he was nowhere to be found. And so he was a little bit afraid, afraid to throw the switch for that um, bridge because there are some dangerous places to be. So he called out, son, where are you? And to his horror, he heard a voice from down below call, uh, dad, I'm down here. And when he looked down, he, he got sick to his stomach when he saw his son standing on one of the massive gear shafts of the bridge. And now with seconds to go before the train would hit the bridge, he would have to make the most difficult decision that uh, a father could ever make. Lower the bridge and put his son's life in certain danger, certain death. Or save his son's life and send hundreds and hundreds of passengers on that train to certain death. And the father, that father made the most sacrificial decision that a father could ever make. He threw the switch and, and turned away as his son began getting caught up in those gears. And his son looked up with fear and panic, terror, as if to say, Dad, Dad, why? But the father turned away and could not bear to look as his son screamed out in pain and agony. His son was killed and that father's heart was broken. As that bridge came closed and that train went across. And as that father cried out in his, uh, the darkest moment of his life. He watched, he saw the people on the train that was passing by completely oblivious to what had just happened. They were reading newspapers, playing cards, having tea, talking. The father had just given the life of his son for them. And the people didn't care they, they were unaware and they didn't care. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine what the father feels like? When we live our lives without taking notice of the greatest, most sacrificial, most loving gift that anyone ever could have given us, Friends, let, let me just plead out to you this morning. Don't just pass by on that train. 
Don't just pass by on that train in your life completely oblivious. Look here at what God gave up for you. God did this so your sins would be forgiven. And because he's done this, our sins are forgiven and we are right with him. And we will never be outside his presence. Jesus was abandoned by God so that we would never have to be abandoned by God. Doesn't this just make us live differently? Doesn't this? Isn't this why we have more joy than guilt? Isn't this what makes us new people, this love being shown us at such deep depths with these words from Jesus on the cross? Doesn't this make us live differently? That after what God has done for us here, we can know that he will never leave us or forsake us, our God will. Never, never leave us or forsake us. No matter what you're going through in life, no matter what awful thing you're going through, no matter what hardship, what challenge, what struggle, what difficulty, what pain, what loss you are going through, God is here God is now here with us. God will never leave us or forsake us. And God loves us. Look at how loving your God is. We don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. Think how important that is to your meeting after church today, your pre-call meeting. We don't know what the future holds. But we're not worried because we do know who holds the future. So when you are going through pain and hardship and loss, be assured, let his word assure you every day that God is now here. Don't get, don't miss the big picture. Don't miss the whole picture God shows us in his word. Don't let yourself slip into the kind of thinking that, um, that God is nowhere. That, that, that God isn't there to help us, that God has abandoned us. When you're in the middle of pain and loss, know with complete 100% certainty that God is now here. The only thing, the only thing we need to endure life, the only thing we need to endure pain, hardship, suffering, the only thing we need to endure anything is the presence of our loving Father. And because Jesus was willing to leave his presence in this moment instead of us because Jesus left his presence. We can always be sure of God's loving presence. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.